0: Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? And you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the map with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Gustavo Dantas.
1: Welcome to episode 35. I'm your host Gustavo Dantas, and in this episode, we have Roy Dean. Besides being a third-degree black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, he also holds black belts in Judo, Aikido, and Japanese Jiu-Jitsu. He is the founder of Roy Dean Academy, which includes a network of academies around the world. Roy talked about being a lifelong learner and about the not-so-glamorous side of the entrepreneurship and its struggles. He also mentioned that when he decided to escape from the 9-5 to red race, he said to himself, if others can do it, I can do it, which inspired me to ask you, if others can do it, can you do it? Make sure to listen to my final thoughts at the end of the interview, where I expand more on the title of the podcast, Can You Do It? Stay tuned right after I leave Jiu-Jitsu's message. Woo-s. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Live Jiu-Jitsu. Live Jiu-Jitsu supports social projects in Brazil and the United States who offer free Jiu-Jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to buy new mats, uniforms, tournament registrations and the monthly expenses of these projects as a supporter the BJJ mental coaches donate all the profit of t-shirts and patches sales to live jiu-jitsu for more information please visit www.liveju-jitsu.org it's www.liveju-jitsu.org let me introduce you to today's guest roy dean Roy is a third-degree black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and the founder of Roy Dean Academy, which includes a network of academies around the world. At the age of 16, Roy was sent to Japan as an exchange student and began training in the art of Judo. Returning to the U.S., he continued his martial arts training studying Aikido, Japanese Jiu-Jitsu, and eventually Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Now at 44 years of age and over 25 years of training, he holds third-degree black belts in Japanese and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, first-degree black belts in Judo and Aikido. He's also a published author. Roy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on, Gustavo. Awesome. We had this connection with Nick Gregoriotis. He came here on episode 29. Mm -hmm. Awesome episode for the listeners. If you didn't have a chance, go check it out. Definitely. Tell us, I mentioned a little bit in the intro, but how
2: martial arts got into your life and eventually Jiu-Jitsu. You know, it's really uh, goes back to my trip to Japan. So I was sent there as an exchange student and, you know, they suggested I study a martial art after school, a Japanese art, but I was gravitating toward the martial arts. I could have done kudo or uh, Ikebana or Kendo but I wanted to do Judo. They warned me that it would be tough, but uh, it was something that I really wanted to, um, I always wanted to learn how to fight, always wanted to learn how to defend myself. And so even though the training was severe, um, I really enjoyed that experience and it, it totally changed the trajectory of my life. Um, so being exposed to Judo in Japan uh, was a great introduction to the martial arts.
1: Mm-hmm. And when Jiu Jitsu get into your
2: life, um, well, I consider judo a form of jiu-jitsu. True. Uh, but Brazilian jiu-jitsu, UFC with Hoyce Gracie. Okay. And I saw what he was doing, um, and everybody wanted that. I wanted, to, I wanted to do that. Everyone wanted to do that. It was I, – I recognized some of it, but the way he did it, the way he did the arm bars, the way he did the chokes, it was w- much smoother than I had ever seen the judo players um, – and do it when I was exposed to it there. So, yeah, Hoist, a real inspiration for a whole generation of martial artists.
1: Yeah, which is a common name that pops up, you know, how people got introduced. That's a very common question and common answer with that, how they got introduced to jiu And how do you feel jiu-jitsu relates to life? And you can even expand if you want to martial arts since you you have so many different experiences with it.
2: You know, I feel like Jiu Jitsu is a microcosm of life. Uh, You can tackle many of life's problems and challenges through uh, your experiences on the mat, being able to confront maybe difficult emotions or maybe even confront other people. Um, I remember as a white belt, uh, I began training Brazilian Jiu Jitsu under a man named Claudio França out -hmm. of Santa Cruz. Mm -hmm. And I was just so nervous getting on the mat every time. Like I remember my heart would be beating because I was like, oh man, I know I'm gonna, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be a tough one. But there's something about bravely facing your fears and that gets you a little bit more resilient, a little bit more open, a little bit more brave. And then you just chip away at it day after day. And I feel that the lessons in jujitsu of essentially going for the long game and not really trying to win it all in one night, but say, man, if I can just make a little bit of improvement, then year after year, you know, your game gets better. The whole experience gets more fun. So I think jujitsu has given me patience, most of all, when it comes to dealing with uh, problems in life. And that, you know, even if I can't overcome it immediately, I'll be able to overcome it eventually.
1: Mm -hmm. And when did you have the spark to pursue martial arts for a living?
2: That wasn't until I was about 31. So I I started training when I was seriously training when I was 16. And then I came back to the States and I got into Aikido. Then when I was 21 years old, I decided to get really serious about Aikido and trained um, in Monterey, California. There was a Japanese Jiu-Jitsu instructor. He was an Aikido master as well, but he also learned the art, kind of a sister art of Aikido called Hakuryu Jiu-Jitsu. So I apprenticed myself to him. I moved down to Monterey, California, moved into his dojo, trained all the classes every day, cleaned the dojo in the morning, did the full, the full immersion. And, you know, that was, that was great. I was serious about it, but it wasn't until I got my, like my black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that I decided to go professional. You know, i I trained, I got black belts in these in these arts, but it was always a passionate hobby. Then I was working in a production company. um we did we did videos. I was an audio engineer, um, and I had to escape the nine to five grind. I had to escape this life that I was l- leading. It was okay. I was paid pretty well. I had a nice studio that I worked in, but you know, I was out of sync with life. Um, I'm in a windowless music studio, right? No sunlight for, you know, eight hours a day, 10 hours a day. And I just felt out of sync with nature. So I recognized as I was getting my black belt, that this was a great opportunity. Presumably was still relatively young in the U S um, there was still room to open an academy and kind of pursue my own creative vision. So I leapt at the chance to quit my job. I was 31 years old and I thought if I'm going to do it, I should do it now.
1: Mm -hmm. And well, I would assume that experience that you had helped because you make a lot of videos. You have a lot of content out there. So did it help,
2: you know, the transition? Oh, tremendously, tremendously. And I thought, okay, my competitive advantage would be, creating great jujitsu videos. I knew how to do I knew how to do the audio, I knew how to do the the video editing. And I thought I could make it really because I consider jujitsu to be a serious subject matter. You know, it's it is worthy of professional exploration and professional presentation. It's a really sophisticated, powerful martial art. And I felt like it needed to be presented just like as well as I could possibly present it to try to bring in more viewership. And then just to illustrate to people, hey man, this is, to be a really good jujitsu player, as, as you well know, it takes tremendous dedication. You know, it's a very high level martial art. And, um, and it was, it's not just about wrestling or repetition of physical movements, it's about skill. And for the people that want to take on that challenge of getting the skill, um, I wanted to advertise that it's worth it. It's an amazing journey.
1: And how was the mindset back then when you decided to make that transition? How did you deal with some of the fears and doubts that pop up? How was the transition for you?
2: It was tough. It was definitely tough. I mean, you go from a, a, a paycheck, a secure paycheck yes, to nothing. I mean, you have you might have a little savings, but then – and I had never run a business. I had worked in a couple, you know, I'd obviously seen my instructor's academy and had been in many other martial arts academies over the years, but I didn't really know where to start. But I said, if other people can do it, I can do it. You know, oh, uh, if other people can do it, I can do it. So it's, it's possible. I just need to just put my whole being into it. Like no, no lifeboats. A hundred percent. I take the, take the jump. And if I had that kind of attitude, you know, then I wasn't bleeding any energy um, with plan B. It was all plan A and, you know, I was nervous, but I was totally committed. So that really helped. And then I had a few friends along the way that, that understood my vision and that they helped me and they were infected by my own energy where it was, I was very passionate you know, um, almost inspired, and they could feel it too. And they wanted to go along for the ride and explore jiu-jitsu, learn jiu So, you know, you gather people along with you when you're when you're feeling, feeling the energy.
1: Absolutely. Now, let's talk about struggles. What some of the things that you've been through during mm-hmm. this journey, of course, the struggles, they don't end. You know, it's always who we're always dealing with stuff. But What are some of the toughest experiences that you had and what did you learn from this
2: struggle? So there have been a lot of different struggles uh, as an entrepreneur. You know, sometimes they can be – it doesn't have anything to do with what you're actually doing on the mat or, you know, the quality of your jiu-jitsu or anything. It can be accounting stuff. It can be, oh, I didn't – it could be – uh, very often on the business end of things. Oh, you know, oh, that wasn't, the accounting wasn't taken care of properly. Okay, now we have to go and redo that. Okay, oh, there's there's also, I mean, I've had a lot of different challenges as an entrepreneur. One of the most severe was uh, working against the local government in order to build my new academy in in Oregon. Um, the engineer that I had to hire, he made an exception for me. He wouldn't even work within the city that I was in because they had so many regulations, and they were. You know, I had never really experienced opposition from the government uh, for that experience. For example, you know, I they expected me to have double the number of bathrooms. So I already had two ADA approved bathrooms, but then they just decided that I needed to have two more based on the number of people that they estimated I would have coming through my facility. And it was ridiculous. It was like that would be another twenty, thirty thousand dollars, and it didn't make any sense at all. Um, and eventually, I talked to some people, and they talked to people in the city, and that was all kind of, oh, you're you're okay, but I didn't realize how much power uh, even like a local government can have um, over your business, hmm. and you're not trying to do anything extraordinary or you know. To, to want to make a dressing room and then be forced to hire a structural engineer, even though you're not putting up load-bearing walls, It's just one very, very small example. And those are the things you don't think about when you want to be an entrepreneur. You want to make your own schedule, <clears throat> excuse me, get up in the morning, you know, be able to work from the beach. You want to contribute to people's lives in a more direct way rather than just getting a paycheck where no matter how hard you work, you get paid the same. But you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you get the 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 benefit of your you know enhanced labor, increased labor. So, but nobody ever thinks about the government stuff. Or you know, there was another time where I had to build a new website. My old website was a little bit stale, and I had to kind of be on the leading edge. And I ended up hiring the wrong person. The year uh, a year went by before, after the initial deadline, and Then I was also paying for a warehouse facility and it was a mess and I lost a lot. I wouldn't say it didn't kill me, but I definitely spent way more money than I needed to because I just got too many balls in the air in juggling them all. And I had to keep them all going and it just, it wasn't perfect timing. And those are the kinds of things you think you're really clever because I'm going to automate this and I'm going to do that. But sometimes keeping it simple is a little bit better.
1: So there'll be basically, the lesson is trying to simplify as much as you can, or focus at least for a period of time in a specific project, because maybe you'll just end up doing too much.
2: Uh, I think that yes, I think that's very easy for people to do when they're an entrepreneur. Uh, I remember in your podcast with Nick that you mentioned that you like to know I can do that. I can do that too, and you know, and I like control as well. So I like to I like to do almost everything I can uh, in the business. Um, but especially in America, we think boom or bust. You have to do more, you have to go get bigger. But I've really come to appreciate simplicity and really streamlined easy business processes.
1: Mm-hmm. And it takes practice, it really does. And and I feel that courage to say no often to mm new projects or shiny objects or or whatever you know because sometimes my first my first reaction like i'm gonna do it and that's how sometimes we end up overwhelmed so i started to really analyze that like do i really want this extra right now mm-hmm. let me hold on this so i i did improve I, of course we we're consistently working on this but i i feel that i've been doing a lot better being a lot more aware that I know that okay if I do really get involved with this this gonna take this many hours and so forth so uh, I'm glad that I've been able to keep things kind of under control we're never just doing one thing you know Mm -hmm. kind of under control so what do you feel that is a topic that you'd like to share with the listeners topic that you're passionate about or maybe sometimes you talk with your students or part of your how you do things
2: you know I think the most important lesson that I've learned in the last twenty years uh, has been be a lifelong learner. Don't be afraid to pick up a new skill. In fact, you should lean into it. You you know, if there's a new skill that you need to learn, for example, for example, like a content management system, I had never updated a website before before I started my academy, and it was a little intimidating at first. I didn't understand the software, and but then over time. That's, it's not a big deal. Uh, And so you need to accumulate your skills like that. Just learn the basic functions of whatever you need to do in order to achieve what you need. You don't have to learn it all. And then once you have that under your belt, okay, you can do that. Maybe later you can um, hire somebody to do that if you're not particularly into that task, but at least you know how to do the task. And so you can judge competently whether someone's doing it efficiently, whether they're doing a good job, um, you know, you have to be willing to learn and because the tools change.
1: Yeah. And learning too, I th- I think even hobbies, because just to get your mind thinking think different, different ways, mm-hmm. uh, this is something that I've, I think for so many years, it's just so, I was so focused on the there's times in our lives we go grind mode and you know what I'm talking about, oh, yeah. 16, 18 hours plus, you know, that kind of stuff. And I did that for a long time. And then as I got older, I started to wait a minute, let's reevaluate things here. Mm-hmm. Just get my, uh, hit, you know, just get my foot off the gas for a little bit. And I just feel a lot more, let's say calmer. And at the same time, just trying new things. Like for example, I do, right now we're in 2019, just starting, and I do Muay Thai twice a week. It's mm-hmm. something that I did when I was 16 years old and I did when I got involved in mixed martial arts, but I wanted to do something else. One of the, the things that I've been working a lot of myself is to be mindful, and I do struggle a lot with concentration, and the thing is when I train jiu-jitsu, for a lot of the times I can get away being lazy or not being focused because my body is so used to just kind of move mm-hmm. so I can train think about what I'm going to do later you know uh, unfortunately my mind just go goes away like that you know and I'm able to do stuff so I decided like man I want to do other stuff because in in Muay Thai as soon as I start to space I start to mess up everything, you know, because I'm I'm not that skilled in that. So that forces me to consist like, yo, pay attention, Boom, pay attention. The same thing with yoga I did years ago and I got back to it and I'm really enjoying. It. It's been helping so much my body overall. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing. If I try to just kind of like, doo, 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 I'm gone. I'm looking, what are they doing? And I'm messing up my breathing. So I've been using this as opportunity to work on my mindfulness and different things. Even For example, I play guitar. Not that I'm good at it or anything like that, but I decided to take ukulele lessons, mm-hmm. you know, once a week, just because, you know, same thing. I'm like, let me just learn something new. Just pay attention, work on my focus. So this is a good suggestion for people out there. Even if it's, of course, learning skills that you're going to be using professionally, absolutely, and personally, But don't forget about hobbies, you know? And maybe mm-hmm. something, if you train Jiu-Jitsu every day, no problem. What about getting a little different one? Maybe you, like, you wonder about dancing lessons. Do some dancing lessons or singing lessons or whatever. I feel that it's good, this uh, always getting your brain to
2: go out of your comfort zone a little bit. Totally. Totally. Um You know, if, if I can add one thing with the, with the, with that cross training, um, you know, I'm, I'm into yoga as well. And I kind of like being not great at something. I mean, there's a lot of things I'm not great at, but yoga in particular is super humbling. Yeah. And, and I have to check my own ambition. Like I'm not, the more you push in yoga, sometimes I mean, it can backfire, I've had a couple of yoga injuries that are almost worse than jujitsu injuries because sometimes they can happen like deep inside the muscles. And there's something really good about being kind of mediocre at a discipline and just kind of laughing at yourself at like, oh, this is, you know, chipping away at it. Because
1: we check our ego, you know.
2: It's, it is. <laughs> it's definitely good for, for us all.
1: So what is the one habit that you feel that has helped you in all areas of your life and martial arts and business that you practice daily?
2: Mm. I wish I could say meditation. Um, I enjoy meditation, but it's not something I do daily. It's more like something I do for a little period of time and then I'll kind of go off and then I'll, I'll do it again in the morning, usually in the morning. Morning seems to be the most powerful time. Um, I I think that is a very good habit in a lot of ways. And I would have to, dude, I would have to say, um, I'd have to say yoga is is another, You know, it's been on my mind lately. I went to yoga this morning. Uh, I have a friend who's going through kind of, he's going through some stresses right now. I'm like, dude, you gotta get into yoga. You've got to, it's gonna take your mind off of it. It's gonna calm you down. It's, it's something where you're not thinking about yourself. It's, it's something that, and I think just on a really, this is more subtle level, but I think the way it kind of stretches your spine very evenly, sometimes in jujitsu, there are more, there are hinge points where you, you bend more often. And I think being able to go into yoga and have it stretch out your spine a little bit more evenly, um, it just leads to a just much calmer day. And, and, I, and, and, a much more professional uh, demeanor that i can interact with people through and then it's it also dude, i mean you know in jujitsu you get all cranked and there's something about yoga that it's almost like a chiropractor but you're doing it yourself it allows you to see okay i'm a little asymmetrical here i'm a little bit off on that side and really lets you hone in and kind of rebalance yourself so it's a it's a definite lifesaver for me it
1: is and i've i've been personally seeing the changes now that are being super consistent with yoga especially people who train just to know sometimes you wake up in the morning and like oh god uh, you're holding your lower back the whole so i need like i i have my morning routine and part of my morning routine is doing 20 to 30 minutes of stretching i put an audiobook mm-hmm. and then i kind of listen, you know, that was just kind of, I just started the day and I still do it, but I've been getting up out of bed a lot smoother than before. Like surprisingly while I get up, I'm like, huh, that was it. That was pretty good. You know, I'm not like, "Oh God, you know, so <laughs> it's really, I mean, I'm being, so I'm stoked, you know, today I'm, I had like a super busy day and I had so many things to do and I, and I couldn't go so I just went to the gym to do a quick workout for like 40 minutes and that's it but you know I've been trying to go as sometimes five days a week when I can do that which is awesome because I'm excited like you mentioned you know it's something that I'm not good at it at all you Mm -hmm. know and I'm dealing with balance and all the kind of stuff that I have I haven't done yoga in so so long and I, I feel that this is a great suggestion for all the practitioners out there even if try to include even if you started once a week you know it is what it is practice some at home and then you can do twice but mm. man has been a game-changer for me a big time cool so what do you feel is the best advice you've ever received and you can choose any, anything you want in martial arts and personal or professional
2: um, Here's a couple pieces. One would be when I launched my academy, my instructor said, lead from the front. Mm-hmm. Lead from the front. And you know what that means. I mean, it's it's all about demonstrating to your students that you are willing to do the work. You wouldn't do ask them to do anything that you're not willing to do yourself. And I think that's important. Um, and then You know, I competed as a black belt a few times. Uh, last time was in 2009 at the worlds, And, but I just didn't feel like competition was not, was not my, my path through jujitsu. I've done it. It's, it's fine. I've, I've won, I've lost. It's, it's tough. If you want to be a high level competitor as you, as you very well know, dude, it's, you have to be so sharp all the time, all the time. Um, And I realized, you know, leading doesn't always have to be in the physical sense. You don't always have to, you know, it's good to compete, compete in front of your students to to lead, to take on challenges, but it's not always about doing it physically. Sometimes it's exploring other realms, being a pioneer, whether that's through some kind of new business venture, maybe it's embracing kind of the new... Um, I think there's a new model of jiu-jitsu schools that's that's being brought out uh, these days. I, I think it's more holistic. It encourages cross-training. It's not like the old days, you know. Um, they're more open to modalities like uh, not trying to be MMA, but, you know, you can cross-train this. You can do that. It's not jiu-jitsu above all else. It's like, oh, no, maybe you'll get a different look at biomechanics if you're doing sambo, if you're doing judo, if you're doing yoga. Um, and I think people are are into it more for the health than the self defense. And I think that um, you, instructors shouldn't be afraid to explore these other realms to make it more holistic. Because I mean, at the at the end of the day, jiu-jitsu is a a physical system of education that allows us to develop morally and ethically.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned about how it was back in the day. I for those who don't know, I grew up in brazil i lived 24 years of my life there and i and i started training in 1989 so the early 90s were kind of tense in brazil especially around 92 when they had the first uh not the first but the famous luta livre jiu jitsu challenge and stuff it was oh, yeah. ch- and after that jiu jitsu really took off at that point uh, it it really felt a shift as jiu jitsu getting a lot of momentum But at the same time, there's a lot of rivalry, uh, a lot of, a lot of fights and jujitsu got a horrible rap in, in Brazil for years, for years had, because people did not, a lot of people did not help. They, they start training jujitsu, they buy a t-shirt for a month and then they go to a party wearing the t-shirt and then next thing in the news, jujitsu gang, da, 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 because some dude just bought a t-shirt and, and plus other people who are actually legit, And and getting trouble. So mm-hmm. it's very interesting you're saying that because I remember remember around that that year, it was 92, 93, that uh, I was training jujitsu I was already competing, I was a blue belt, and I and I used to do Muay Thai But no one one my best friend knew. No one of the academy knew because it was kind of dude if they find out I can get in trouble. You <laughs> right. know what I mean? I and so no no one knew not even my teacher knew because I was afraid that I would get in trouble. And I remember one day in class, you know, two guys walking because they had a, a, a concert in Brazil when they had a huge fight, Jiu Jitsu against Luta uh, liver guys and someone got stomped and died. And oh. a, a Jiu Jitsu practitioner just in a stupid fight. And they're going after, they're going to gyms to, to try to find out, you know, see if we can find where the guy was and stuff. And when I was in class and then one guy came in like, does anyone here train Muay Thai? My heart just went to my mouth. Like, I was like, kids so are like, oh my God, they're gonna murder me right now. I just stay like quiet I'm like, oh my God. And I'm like, just let you know, be careful because you're gonna be visiting schools and stuff like that. I was terrified. And, and I remember that it was like okay. In jujitsu, crowd kind of like accepted, you know, like tolerate boxing. You know what right, I mean? Right, right. So my old teacher used to put some like nogi training, you know, style, the taparia, the open hand and stuff like that. And and I remember that uh, he was doing mm-hmm. one of his training and then he said, are you do boxing? I'm like, yeah, yeah, boxing. I never said, you know, the Muay Thai. Mm-hmm. And one day in training, I, I did a kick and I'm like, well, you train Muay Thai? This <laughs> but, but it just gave me a hard time. And I was training with him for a long time. And then people found out. Eventually, I stopped because I focused only in in in, in jiu-jitsu, but it's interesting how close minded, you know, uh oh, yeah. it was. And in some sprinkled a little bit in US in the beginning of, you know, like maybe the late nineties, you know, mm-hmm. in the early two thousands still had and then so glad that this is going away. It may, you know, some people still maybe stuck in the old days here and there. But mm-hmm. for the most part, you know, people can go you if you're listening to this and you're train and you travel a lot you can just go pay for an open mat and you can visit a school and for the most part people will receive you well you know and Absolutely. back in the day it was like yo there's a visitor <laughs> you know what i mean like show him what's up so it's a lot more friendly now so uh, for people who just start training maybe you don't know you know but people being training longer know exactly what i'm talking about
2: that's great that's a good that's a great story um it's, it's way better now. There's never been a better time to learn jiu than now.
1: It is. And especially with the internet, that took everything to another level. You know, really, for whoever really wants to learn. Man, the opportunities are there. You can invest. I always mention you can invest. If you don't have any money, you can invest time because there are a lot of people dropping amazing free content. Plus, if you want to invest a little more and then you put some money. But, yeah, the opportunity... Uh, Back in the day, it was it was funny because you you go to a tournament, someone did something like crazy, and next day on, on the academy, everyone's like, "Hey, did you see that guy doing that?" And people were trying, and now it's just like instantly in the instantly around the world, the space, you know what I mean? Like you have totally. to wait; you don't have to wait for the VHS tape. Then God knows when it's gonna come, you know. And you have to break that down so people don't have an idea how great they have right now to learn. <laughs> And so what it's a advice that you'd give to the younger Roy when you started the Academy?
2: Oh, a younger Roy would, I would say, don't take it personally because I took so many things personally because I was doing my best, both my personal and professional best with the Academy, with videos, with the testing standards, with the, the skill development I was doing, I was doing it all. And then if somebody would offer, I wouldn't say, I don't know, offer a suggestion or criticism, I would be like, what, you don't think I already thought of that, you know? And which was the, which that was just my own insecurity. It was like, you know, I I've been many places and people will often show me techniques. And when I was younger, I, kind of took it the wrong way. Occasionally I would be like, what? Oh, yeah, you don't think I've seen that? Come on, dude, of course I've seen that. Come on, i black belt. But then I realized one day, no, they're giving me their best. This is like their best jewel and they're sharing it with me. And they've wondered if, cause it's probably been something that really changed their game. And they're offering that to me. How good is that? You know, and maybe, yeah, I, I've seen it and maybe I can help them tweak it a little bit. So I took things very personally for a long time at the Academy and you don't need to. Plus, you know, students want to help, but they didn't put any money into the business. They're not paying rent. They're not doing like they can make a suggestion. It's free. It just comes out of their mouth. No problem. But for you to actually turn a suggestion or idea into reality takes money, time, implementation okay how am i going to do that is that a good idea what's what's the cost going to be so you know for example i, I when i built my new academy um, one of the students didn't like the way the door was was hung and they thought i should hang it the other way because <laughs> i was like what are you what are you talking about but it doesn't cost them anything to suggest it right it's just an it's just an idea
1: yeah and again like i said it's just an idea just an opinion and then when you figure out that we don't have to accept then they have to do it just like, okay, we can agree yeah. and disagree, I actually, like the way the door is like this, yeah like this way, but that's okay, you know, and I guess it's just part of the you know progression of life. I think we we have all been there, you know, at least yeah. we take a humble pill to admit that, you know what I mean, I did the same, and when you have the kind of a little more of a fixed mindset and taking things personal that happens um Instead of the the growth mindset, but yeah, you know, you're 44. I'm 44 as well. And when when we look back, it's just like wow. Well, you know, <laughs> I got I wish, but you know, no matter the position that you are at in your life, you have to make those choices. You have, you have to go through that journey, make yeah. those mistakes to be able to. And help the students guide people in a better way, not to be and I, and I mentioned to my students too like yeah at some point I have fixed my head for a lot of things and mm-hmm. prevented me from uh, moving forward personally and professionally and, and little by little we can can improve you know yeah, definitely. So what book would you like to recommend and why a book that made big impact on you? Uh, different moments of your life, but of course, there's different books for different people that can be looking for whatever they're, they're looking for. But as far as growth, uh, what do you think?
2: You know, I think if you want to be an entrepreneur, think and grow rich is the classic. You know, think and grow rich is, is at, I mean, the takeaway from that is you have to have desire. Desire is the root. All things come through desire and it's all about just directing that desire um, and being able to recognize that desire in other people I think that is that's really important um, but as I can see that looking at your bookshelf there that you're you're an avid reader
1: and yeah I like to be exposed to some of my my wife's you too, then some that I haven't read I, I like audiobooks uh, most for the most part I get audiobooks, but I do get books too, you know I, I struggle, you know with with attention. So usually I'm a slow learner It takes me a little bit to get through a book and I need to review and really take my time with each
2: one it, Well, you know, I have to admit that my attention span has also shortened over the years Where I used to tear through books and now I have to force myself to like read the book or like read, you know it There, there are a lot of the, the magic of thinking big is another book that that was recommended and that I've been reading lately and it's, uh, it's good. It really shifts, um, the way you think about everything, including your own work. And one of the recent takeaways from that book is this is important work that we're doing, you know? As a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu teacher, as we become a more digital society and we become more disconnected from our bodies, the role of a Jiu-Jitsu instructor is elevated into, you're a physical integration instructor. You're learning, you're teaching people how to coordinate their bodies in a very sophisticated way. And, and it's a, a very powerful technology that needs to be taught in the right way as well. You know, Like you said, like no thug mentality, you can't have Jiu-Jitsu getting a bad rep because people are misusing it it's it's a powerful thing we you know it needs to be taught in the right way and um and you know a well-armed society is a polite society we can Arm people without arms
1: got it um and one of the things about mentioned about the studying i don't know for people out there that maybe struggle with focusing especially the reading so when i since i have to take my time reading or even audiobook definitely i have to listen more than once this is mm-hmm. a that's a given but one of the things that helps me and a suggestion to people that every time i finish a book i'm like okay i even i read usually i read once listen depends maybe three times at least and when i'm done i go to youtube and then I, put the name the name of the book and I said review and then I just listen to people what they're saying about the book and I take extra notes and mm. that helps me to reinforce and oftentimes some of the topics that they talk and for some reason I spaced when it was uh I was reading I didn't really get it and then I'm reading information I'm like oh wow that's pretty cool I didn't catch this at all in the first time so mm. that helps me big time to reinforce you know just always uh watching a video and sometimes they listen and there's like, yeah, I may watch someone talking for 15 minutes and maybe didn't include as, you know, didn't get as much as I would like to. But there's times that someone speaking for two minutes and they say something real quick. They're like, oh, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Know, I didn't notice that. So it helps me out a lot. So that's a good suggestion for everyone. So what are you currently excited about? What's going on?
2: I'm excited about 2019. Um, so the last three years I've been charging pretty hard doing a lot of traveling. lot of seminars. Um, But now I think I've shifted into a different phase. I'll still be doing some seminars, but way less travel and focusing more on the media. So I have a subscription channel. Um, You can get to it through RoyDean.tv, And I have um, a new release, Blue Belt 2.0, which um, Blue Belt Requirements 1.0, I released about 10 years ago. And it was, I've sold a lot. I've really helped a lot of people um, with that particular title, but it was looking a little dated. So, and you know, over the years, people have offered suggestions. So I kind of tweaked it um, and I'm really pleased with the way it came out. I think it looks great. I think it's a really good reference manual. And if you can use both, that's great. And then I've been working with Aikido journal. You know, I, I trained in Aikido for many years And uh, the founder of Aikido Journal, which is a very prestigious and um, kind of historical um, organization, they really um, did a lot of the research. The founder of Aikido Journal, Stanley Pran, and he spoke nine languages, spoke Japanese fluently, really went away from kind of the, the political line and just reported the actual facts of how that art evolved. And he passed away, unfortunately, last year. And one of my friends, Josh Gold, took over for Aikido Journal. So we've been relaunching it, rebranding it, and trying to bring a very uh, kind of high-level discussion of, of what Aikido is and how it can be used to benefit our lives. Um, Aikido is a form of jiu-jitsu. It's just a very idealized form. It's kind of like, you know, the, that really good feeling of when you sweep somebody that kind of weightless feeling well in, in aikido they really elongate that feeling and it's a great way for people to relate to each other it's different than a fighting art although it does have some application to that so going it, kind of reconnecting just like you're reconnecting with your like the muay thai i I feel like I'm reconnecting to my aikido past and and uh, it's good it's it's very much full circle
1: so what do you, will you feel that when aikido what's let's say the main I don't know if I would say takeaway, but a, a great link in between Aikido, the Jujitsu that helped you as a teacher, as a practitioner, like oh. a concept that you learn, or something from Aikido that transferred really,
2: really well. Well, one thing is you get really sensitive to how people are moving and shifting their weight because you have to kind of say actively engaged with them. So, for example, you know, for example, in the guard, I go for a Kimura, and then the guy. Tries to posture up and pick up out of the kimura, you know, like free his elbow, but then you just go right into hip bump. That little that little gap of blending and going with his resistance is a lot easier with my aikido training. I could feel that early on. They teach you how to get very sensitive to that. Now there are some other areas of the training where it's it may be lacking, but that is one very good strength of Aikido that allows you to feel when your partner's resisting and then kind of stay connected with them and flow with it.
1: Cool. So for all the listeners we're getting close to the end of the interview. So I always like to think about my takeaway and expand on it. I'll, re- I'll just reflect on the interview and then I do some research and, share my final thoughts That it varies could be from 5 to 15 minutes it's always great for me because they have so far got 33 episodes I just started in May but every episode that gives me the chance of researching something new you mm-hmm. know so for every topic it has been an amazing growth for me to be honest doing the podcast has been awesome because there's so many different views and looks and books that I didn't know that I'm getting introduced to. So I'm super stoked about this. So I always do my best to share the content. So final message for all the listeners, how they can find out more about you.
2: Certainly. Uh, You can go to Roydean.tv. Check out my website. I have seminars, uh, Crew RDA. If you're interested in becoming an affiliate, um, if you're interested in the store or the sub- subscription channel, it's all there. Uh, I think that I'm very lucky that I came into jujitsu when I did or was exposed to judo and then Aikido and then BJJ and jujitsu jitsu has been really good to me. And I try to get back to the art and continue to share it in the right way. Um, and I appreciate all the opportunities I've been giving, including the one to be on your podcast today.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for the interview, Roy. Really appreciate your time. And for all the listeners, stick around for my final thoughts. Ooze. Ooze. Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with Roy Dean. Besides being a third-degree black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, he also holds black belts in Judo, Aikido, and Japanese Jiu-Jitsu. He is the founder of Roy Dean Academy, which includes a network of academies around the world. Roy talked about being a lifelong learner, consistently acquiring new skills and knowledge. He also talked about the not-so-glamorous side of the entrepreneurship with the struggles of dealing with things that you have no control of, for example. In his case, was dealing with nonsense permits and politics to open up his business. My main takeaway from the interview was when he was 31 years old, wanting to escape from the 9-to-5 rat race, and he said to himself, If others can do it, I can do it. Which inspired me to ask you, If others can do it, can you do it? If you haven't already, can you achieve the success you desire? I hope the answer is yes, and now I'm going to expand on today's final thoughts. Let me ask you this. What is one of your most meaningful accomplishments that you have ever achieved? Whatever that is, it didn't just land in your lap. I bet you earned it your accomplishment. For those who don't know, in 2014, I recorded my first online course, which back then was a four-disc DVD set of the BJJ Mental Coach called Inner Discovery for Outer Success. This project is one of my most meaningful professional accomplishments and definitely did not just land in my lap. I earned mine just like you did. During the presentation, which included 20 guests who applied online to experience the recording live, I shared important elements to achieve the success you desire, and I used the analogy of the movie Castaway. By the way, have you ever watched Castaway? Well, if you haven't, in the movie, Tom Hanks' character is Chuck Nolan. He was in a plane that was flying over the Pacific Ocean and suddenly got hit with a bad storm, and the plane ended up crashing in the ocean. He was able to escape hanging on an inflatable raft, then end up passing out and woke up in a deserted island. Four years passed and he was desperate for help. There's one famous scene picture that shows him using tree branches to write the word help on the sand uphill just in case a plane or a boat could see and possibly rescue him. Then suddenly he had a realization. Man, no one is coming to my rescue. He thought to himself, okay, if I want to achieve the success I desire, which is to get back home to Tennessee in the United States, I need to take action. If I stay, I'm going to die. Now, if I put myself out there, take action, build a strong raft that is going to hold on through the powerful waves and stay on the raft as long as it takes, at one point, someone will find me and opportunities will present itself and that improve my odds of achieving the success I desire. Now, I know that I will face the worst storms of my life. However... After the major storm, the ocean always calms down. How this analogy relates to Roy's story. Roy was stuck in a deserted island, which was his unfulfilled job with a feeling, as he described, out of sync with life. Until one day he realized, no one is coming to my rescue. If I don't take action and do something about it, who will? He mentioned in the interview that he had been in martial arts schools as a student and as an assistant and he had worked in business however he had never ran a business when the fears and doubts kicked in he told himself if others can do it i can do it he decided to leave the island he built his raft and he went through some bad storms and finally the ocean calmed down which means the opportunity started to present itself and the right people started to show up in his life now Take a moment to think about what stage are you in your life right now? Are you in a stage where you are on the island just screaming for help? Are you waiting for someone to come and rescue you? Or maybe going through the phase where you have your raft out there in the ocean and it's rough. You're bad waves and heavy winds. You might be even thinking, man, how am I going to get out of this? Hopefully, you have already been through this phase The storm has passed and you have been at least been able to breathe saying, okay, finally, things are calming down. Or you might be in an even better position, the phase when you achieve the success you desire. You are at peace with yourself, tranquil, ensure that you are on the right path. Now, let me ask you this. Do you have what it takes to leave the deserted island like Roy did? One very important point to take in consideration, though, the goal is for you to achieve the success you desire, not the success your family, friends or society expects from you. No, the success you desire. Do you believe in your soul that entrepreneurship is for you? Because it's not for everyone and there is nothing wrong with this at all. With that said, do you have what it takes to become a successful entrepreneur? Do you have what it takes to not only build your raft but also to persevere during all the bad waves and heavy winds that will come up, by the way? I hope you do have what it takes and I hope you already have been doing your thing. So if this is the case, think about what the next phase of your life will look like. And when your dark passenger, the negative voice that lives in your head starts to bring anxiety, fear, and doubts, and insecurities, just remind yourself, if others can do it, I can do it. Now, don't forget to also take in consideration that you not always get the outcome that you want. However, that shouldn't prevent you from putting your raft out in the ocean. Regardless of the outcome, it will be an incredible opportunity for growth. If you haven't watched Castaway, at the end, Chuck Nolan makes it back to Memphis. However, His long-term relationship girlfriend thought he was dead and she moved on. She got married and he had a daughter. What an opportunity for growth. As much as it hurt, look at his journey of taking powerful action, putting his raft in the ocean, going to hell and back, growing immensely and earning the confidence to say I can literally do anything. Now, what about you? Can you do it? Oh, s-
0: we're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the bjj mental coach podcast but the lesson doesn't end here watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes bjj competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the bjjmentalcoach.com don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.